You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on? Berto here. And Berto, we're back with another episode and we're covering a topic I've been waiting to cover for a long time. So what <laughs> is that topic? So it's, it was actually a recommended topic. Um, I guess technically it's a it's a viewer topic. It's it's one of our Patreon listeners that requested it. Um, and it's basically the history of the Latin Kings in Milwaukee. So, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, um, I know older guys. You know, I still talk to some older guys that were around. Um, but I don't quite know guys that were around at the inception. Um, I've done as much digging as I can. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of got, I kind of got a pretty good idea. And, and, um, as far as like, maybe not when the inception came, but when the brothers really became relevant in Milwaukee. And I think that's probably more, uh, more what a lot of guys want to hear. So, I mean, that's, that's what I got in deck today. You got anything, you got any questions before I get started? Just what, what time frame are we starting at? So how far back are you going here? All right. All right. So, Basically, from everything I've gathered, man, um, it goes back to basically mid-80s, early 80s, all right? And okay. I'm sure the inception was probably late 70s. Um, but, I mean, <clears throat> around that time, man, I'm sure, uh, like most gangs, it was it was fistfights. And to some extent, I'm sure there were a lot more allies than there were rivals, you know, because I, I mentioned this in the past and, and it still holds true. You know, the the idea of gangs, especially Latino gangs in the communities on the South Side, was more about uplifting the people. You know, it was about protecting the people and protecting the, the people in your community and and not selling them drugs and, and not hurting each other and, and, you know, helping people that need it. And, and so that was the premise surrounding gangs in general. You know, with that thought in mind you know, a lot of these different gangs, they were okay being around each other because they had the same, they had the same goal, you know, they had the same purpose. Now, obviously their ideals were a little different, but the goal was to uplift their people. And then, you know, the toxicity gets involved and, you know, people drink and they fight and, and then, you know, everything, I mean, from everything, it turns into wars and, and rivalries. And obviously that's, that's where we're at now. Right. But, um, so in the, in the, I'm guessing in the late seventies, man, it was probably more, there's probably a lot more people talking, you know, and then in the, in the eighty, and I could be wrong. If there's somebody out there that was around during that time and, and, and they're willing to talk about it, then, you know, they know the email and I, you know, so, but, I, but I'm, you know, once it got to the mid eighties is when a lot of, uh, a lot of what they call the heavier hitters started to come into play. You know, from my understanding, this is really when, the Latin Kings in Milwaukee took off. This is a key element too that that I think is overlooked. You got to remember the Latin Kings in Milwaukee, they didn't at that time, they didn't have a direct tie to Chicago. From everything I've heard from everybody, it was basically started when it did get started um from just somebody who migrated from Chicago and uh I'm sure he had permission, but you know, he didn't have a direct link, meaning he wasn't going back and forth to Chicago. And then even the brothers in the in the 80s and the 90s, they weren't going back and forth to Chicago, you know, right away. At some point, they ended up, you know, being tied in. But 
But early on, it wasn't that. And so, but that's when, you know, from my understanding, like the guys like Hollywood started coming around. Hollywood is a huge name. You know, I, I mentioned Big Who, you know, Big Who was, was, was a dominant figure, you know, during that time in the mid eighties and the late eighties and, and, uh, and maybe even the early eighties. And then you have guys that came in that were, you know, were being bred to be successors to these kind of guys like Pistol Pete. And, and so the, the difference, the biggest difference from my understanding about hearing stories and hearing about different guys is the type of guys that were around back then. And, and this isn't a slight to, to me or my crew or anybody else, any other crew, but when you hear about these guys and the way they carry themselves and the, and the kind of, the kind of ways that they put in work, so to speak, they were a different breed, man. You know, don't get me wrong. We were a lot more reckless, but those guys were violent. You know, those guys were really violent and, uh, and, and they, they believed everything we believed and they represented every way we represented. Um, in fact, we tried to mimic them. They had a lot, a lot of killers on their team. With the last indictment, there's a couple guys uh, that, you know, obviously this is, this is in the mid nineties. So this is, this is, this is, these are guys that came obviously after the, the snowball started rolling, but there were guys in the indictment that had four murders by themselves. You know, Jordan, Jordan was one of them. My cousin Alex is one of them. He had four murders. Both of those guys, they both had four murders. They both ended up cooperating. You know, they had guys that were willing to kill and ready to kill. And, and, and so before I get to that, though, let's, let's rewind a little bit and kind of go through that, that Hollywood era, right? And, and so the Hollywood era is, is infamous on the South Side. Um, this is around the time when, like I said, the everybody ultimately um, became Cago. You know, um, the, the decision was made to to unite all the chapters. And that's really when the South Side eat up, you know, because you got all these different personalities and, and all these different, um, you know, kind of wild guys and they're together. And, and like I said, man, it's easy. It's easy to be a chill guy when you're around a bunch of chill guys. But if you're around a bunch of guys that are putting in work, it, you can't be the one oddball. And so you put a bunch of those guys together and it creates chaos. With that being said, you know, from my understanding, even though everybody was Cago, there was still a bunch of different hoods. You know, there was still 18th Street. There was 3rd Street. You know, there's there's a bunch of different areas where brothers would hang out. And, and so even though they were all Cago, they just had different areas where they hung out because there's so many brothers. It's not like you can all hang out in one area. That was kind of the beginning stages of when Milwaukee really started to, to have a foothold. The Latin Kings started to have a foothold and they were starting to be recognized. And simultaneously at that time, you know, I'm pretty sure like the Lopez family was building up. The, the Spanish Cobras were really, really strong in Milwaukee, from my understanding, from the beginning. Um, and they may have even been in Milwaukee before the Latin Kings. I'm not sure. But, you know, they used to have, I believe it was on like 8th and Washington or something. Um, they used to have a big sign that said, welcome to the jungle, you know, and Spanish Cobras everywhere. And and one of their biggest hoods used to be on 10th and Orchard. The reason why I mention that is because when it came time to stir things up and to start start making waves on the south side, guys like Pistol Pete, he got that name. Because he was one of the guys who initiated that pistol play. 
You know, a lot of guys were really, really tough guys back then, macho guys. They wanted to fight in the street. They wanted baseball bats. They wanted knives. They were willing to go blow for blow. You know, Pistol Pete, he got that name because he kind of introduced that. You know, he introduced that element. And like I said, that's when things started to really, really change for the Kings, man. And and So when you say he introduced that element, you're referring to that he's the first guy that kind of brought guns into the equation? I wouldn't say brought guns, but I'm saying was like was like consistently using guns, you know, consistently mm-hmm. having guns. You got to remember, like, I can imagine that time frame, right? And and I can just try to put myself back there if I was that age and, and relevant. Like, they had such a big neighborhood and so many kings. Like, you had to feel comfortable to walk around without a gun, you know, if that makes sense. Because who's going to come to your neighborhood? When there's so many Latin kings, you see what I'm saying? And so I think the comfort and the complacency was easy to have at that point. And so when when Pistol kind of was like, you know, starting to starting to be bred to 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 get a get that position and 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 be the guy, a lot of people want to make an impact. A lot of people want to be known for something. And obviously he was known for that element. Yeah, man. I you know, this is this is this is from my understanding, that's when things really started to get into a more more violent stage. And then obviously you have the tragedies that come along with that kind of step up. You know, uh, Hollywood was killed. You know, he was killed in, you know, almost like a professional hit style. Um, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know how many people are familiar with his, his murder, but I mean, it was, it was pretty sophisticated in the sense that it wasn't your basic drive-by shooting. You know, Hollywood had became, I guess an activist would be a good way to put it. You know, he he had became somebody who was still about uplifting his community. You know, he would like work with homeless shelters and work with like uh, food shelters. And and he was known for that. Um, a lot of the older brothers that were around him around that time were known for that. One day he was coming out of there and a guy was driving on a mountain bike. You know, I, I think the signal was it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And sure enough, man, he opened fire and, and, and killed Hollywood. And that that, you know, that sent shockwaves through the south side man you know that was a huge hit for the kings specifically and you know if i had to be honest obviously i wasn't old enough to really grasp what was going on but but if i had to be honest i think that's kind of where the wheels came off man because guys just they they became unhinged you know everybody was it's not that they were governing themselves because let me tell you man those guys had strict rules back then i mean you want to talk about you know we were getting violations they them guys were giving out violations on site you know, that was the kind of old school mentality they had, you know, like, you know, we, we, we'll pull guys in the meeting and guys will get in a circle. We had to catch a violation. These guys will find you at your house. Hey, come on, step <laughs> outside, man. It's time for, you know, and, and so they, they were no nonsense, man. They were, they were definitely a hundred, uh, zero to a hundred immediately. You know, I think, I think that killing, you know, I think another, another big killing uh, uh, back then in the nineties was, was 38, you know, 38 was a well-known King really, really well respected. And he was ambushed. I think, I think Gavin even, even knew about that, that uh, homicide. He asked me about it one day. He, um, because 38 was killed with his girlfriend, I believe. And and they, they sprayed the car and killed both of them. That was a tragedy. This is when like, you want to talk about guys that, that were known guys that were being taken out, you know? And, and the reason why, I say that's big is because look, like I, we were blessed, you know, during our, my era, my little run, we lost one brother, 
you know, one brother that was really, really close to us, you know, during the active time. Obviously, we've lost brothers since then. But I'm saying during our active moments, when we were active, we only lost one king. In the 90s, they were losing brothers. They were losing brothers to flakes. They lost a brother to to the cops. You know, one of the shining stars, I guess, is what you would call them. Um, up and coming stars of the Latin Kings in the 90s was a guy named Beast. I mean, the name speaks for itself. You know, he was he was really he was he was becoming really well known and and uh, you know fearless, fearless guy. You know, he ended up getting killed by the cops right on Greenfield. You know, obviously nobody was charged for that. But you know, it, it just goes to show, man. They they were losing they were losing guys, and 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 the reason why I say it's you know it's important is because that was the atmosphere. You know, it, it seems like everybody it's easy to have recency bias, right? And it's easy to say, man, guys are shooting now more than ever, right? And and 15 years ago, guys are shooting now more than ever. But the reality is in the 90s, man, it was, those summers were were deadly. You know, guys were getting killed, man. And under the direction of some big guys, like Pistol Pete was one of the, he was one of the known guys, you know. Um, you have a bunch of kings that were on the indictment from 98, that may not even have been around in the early nineties, but their, their actions were a result of the precedent that was set before them, you know? And, and so now if we kind of, if we kind of, you know, we speed up to the 98 indictment, we talk about like, like Jordan and, and my cousin, I mean, these dudes were, it, it, call them what you want, call them a rat, call them what you want, you know? And, and I understand the premise. I'm, I'm not here to defend any, you know, anything, but, but, these dudes were killers, you know, and, and you can't take that away from them. Uh, another one was Quee. You know, Quee Quee wasn't even on the indictment because he was so young. He was only 15 when he caught a double murder. You know, so, I mean, you want to talk about guys that were out there in the street and willing to lay it on the line. These dudes were them. The one thing I will say is that uh, they weren't as united in relationships like we were. You know, yeah, we had our we had our misgivings, I guess is what you can call them with different chapters and, and disagreements and all that, you know, we kind of kept it cordial for the most part. And, and, and there, there had been times where guys have to catch violations for getting out of line with other Kings and, and all that. But, but back then it was different, man. And, and it was different because sometimes guys just didn't date like different cliques didn't mess with each other. You know, they didn't talk to each other. It sounds weird to say, but, but it, from my understanding, it was true. And, and, and they even challenged each other. And so I'm going to give you a story that I got, right? And it's a, it's a, it's a crazy one. It was mind blowing to me. So there was a King, right? And, uh, his name was Frankie. He was by all, in, by all intentions, he was a good King. You know, he was, he was well known. He was well respected. You know, it wasn't like he was a pushover. There was another King by the name of Mark, right? And so Mark was the enforcer at the time. All right. These guys are easy recognizable, like their names, uh, especially the Mark name. He's got two brothers. You know, I ain't going to throw his whole name out there, but so they're easy, easy recognizable. And, and like I said, man, if I ever say something and people want to try to fact check it or say something, they, they can, they're, 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 you know, more than welcome to. But so one, one time, one night they're at a party, right? So Frankie's at a party. He's at a King party. Mark is a, is a, is a, is an enforcer at the time. So Mark, uh, makes a pass at Frankie's girl. Now we talk about this all the time, right? Like how disrespectful that can be and, and how 
you know, um, how much division that creates and, 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 and ultimately how much disrespect it is, right. To just do that to somebody who you say you love, and this is your King brother, and you're willing to put it to your heart and you're willing to make a pass at his girl. Right. So that in itself is, is, is garbage, but you know, carry on. So he makes a pass at his, as girl, you know, obviously Frankie doesn't like it. And so, you know, they kind of get into a, a shouting match and Frankie leaves, right? So when he leaves, he shoots up Mark's house, right? Now, obviously, there's a lot of lines being crossed here, right? I mean, the first line was crossed by Mark, right? And then and then the ultimate line was crossed by Frankie, right? Because obviously bullets and, and guns is a whole nother step, right? It's, it's different than a violation on Sunday. And so, now, now, to be fair, Mark wasn't there, right? But, you know, but he lit his house up to send a message like, man, you know, I don't know if that was the greatest message to send, but but that's the message he sent. And so Mark knew right away it was him. Obviously, his his uh, his position of strength helped him, and he ultimately put an SOS on him. SOS to a bunch of people means a bunch of different things, right? Um, and this day and age, I don't know what it means, right? But during our day, it was a smash on site. Right. Smash on site. Meaning you see this dude, you got it. You better put hands on him. You know, you better you better punish this dude. In the 90s, an SOS meant shoot on site. And so this is what I'm saying. Like, these are different elements that they either became watered down by the time, you know, I I was in the game or, you know, they were kind of pushed to the side because because these extremes, sometimes they're made with irrational thought, you know. Um, so anyway, so so he puts this SOS on him. We'll just say said person number one, right? And and this is this is this is my main source. <laughs> so <laughs> so so said person number one is related to Frankie, okay? And um, said person had some juice, and he had respect, and he had the streets ear. He wasn't in the street, but he had the streets ear. Obviously, he's gonna do what he can to protect his cousin. He heard about the story. You know, he heard about uh, the repercussions behind it. Obviously, he don't want nothing to happen to, to happen to his cousin. And so he tells his cousin, listen, what happened? Obviously, he explained to him. He says, listen, you need to go talk to them. Don't worry. I'm going to call them and try to straighten things out. So this is what he's telling Frankie. So then he calls the the Kings, right? But but he talked to Mark at some point. But initially, I'm sure he probably talked to, to Pistol Pete, which is the, the you know, uh, which is the... I believe he was the Inca at the time or, or obviously he was relevant. Right. And so mm-hmm. he's basically like, listen, he's lobbying for, for Frankie. Like, listen, man, it was a dumb move. Like let him take his V and move on. Right. And, and take the SOS off him, so to speak. And so they're like, all right, well, let us talk to him. You know, let us talk to him. And so he calls and he tells Frankie, he's, Hey, listen, they want to just go in there, bro. You're going to take your V and, and, you know, and then just move on, bro. And he's like, nah, bro, they want to kill me. You know, he's like, nah, they want to kill me. And um, he's like, I'm telling you, they're not going to kill you. They're not going to kill you. And he goes, bro, they're going to kill me, bro. I'm telling you. He says, All right, let me talk to him again. Let me talk to him again. So he calls him back. Now they know that he's in direct communication with Frankie, you know, because they called back to call. You know what I'm saying? So so it's it's yeah. obvious, you know. And so they're like, well, where's, his, where's he at? You know, like you're talking to him. Where's he at? And so he's like, I'm not going to tell you where he's at. You know, I'm just telling you that, you know, obviously he don't want no problems and he wants the situation to be dead. You know, he wants the, the situation to be over and they go, okay, well tell us where he's at then. And so at that point, I think 
you know, said person number one realized that uh, it was deeper than an ass whooping. You know, <laughs> they were they were yeah. going to kill him. <laughs> right, they were looking to they were looking to kill him, and so he goes, "Man, y'all tripping," and and he hangs up. Right, and and he never he never talks to Frankie again. Right, um, and that's because just a normal normal day, basic day. Um, I'm guessing for Frankie, he goes into um, a barber shop. I think it was around 11th and Mitchell, maybe around there, maybe 10th and Mitchell. And just a normal day, man. You know, uh, broad daylight. It would take pretty ballsy person. And, you know, unfortunately for him, there was a ballsy person that was up to that task. That was a king. You know, and his name was Jordan, and uh, he was a kid. You know, Jordan uh, committed the bulk of his crimes, similar to me, 15 to 17. He got indicted when he was 17. And uh, so he got a tip that um, that Frankie was in the barbershop and walked in there, no mask, no nothing, and just blew his head off, man. Killed him. Killed him in the barber chair. And, you know, so that's how fast things can turn on a dime, right? Like, like, you know, you go from being a king at a king party to now you're Mark man number one, right? And so um, I think this is a testament, though, like I said, man, and this is obviously um, trying to trying to paint a picture about the type of environment that was prevalent in the 90s, you know. Um, so, I, well, I want to ask a whole Got a couple questions here. So I'm going to take it back a little bit of a step. So you were talking about Hollywood and how Hollywood did things with with homeless shelters and stuff like that. So that obviously shows that the Milwaukee Latin Kings were at one point in time in this world where they were trying to help society, like you said at the beginning of the episode. Did you ever get from anybody what changed that? Mm. Was it Was it when they all joined together that the violence started to kind of surface or what, yeah, what took think, what would seem know, like a good thing right, to a violent right. state. Right. So, so I think those, you know, it, it, it's not an overnight happening, so to speak. Um, and, and, and Hollywood being in, in activists and you know, like I said, that's just a tip of the iceberg because there was a lot of brothers that were around, um, back then that were doing similar things. And you got to remember the brothers back then were different, man. Like they had generations, meaning they had young brothers. They had peewees, they had JKs, which is junior Kings. Then they had LKs, you know? And so they had, um, the structure that we didn't, meaning they had levels that you had to get through. And so on the top level, man, these guys were, you know, either, either, you know, in, in Hollywood's case, they were activists or they were doing things with the community or they were making money. You know, they had they had a couple brothers that owned a, a nightclub called Jock Jammers that was, you know, extremely well known, you know, and and, um, you know, Packer players used to go there. You know, Reggie White used to go there. Reggie White went and made a statement at one of the guys sentencing when they got indicted in 98. You know, because that guy was 
a good guy in so many ways. You know, yeah, he got indicted with the Kings because he was affiliated and he was associated, but he didn't have any crimes on the indictment. You know, he was just a Latin King, you know, because at that time it wasn't a bad thing to be a Latin King, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so like I said, so that top layer, man, that top layer of Kings was a huge umbrella for the nation, you know, because Think about this. Think about that. Like guys are doing good in the community as far as the older kings and then guys are owning businesses. Imagine the kind of kickdown that's coming down to the younger brothers, you know, just to patrol your neighborhood. And I think once guys started going out of that and started going outside of the neighborhood and that's when like, you know, little by little you start picking up more and more enemies. You know, it's like, like I said, who's going to come and infiltrate Cago, right? So what do guys do when they get bored? Naturally, they, they're looking for guys. You know, they're going out and they're looking for guys to to attack. And so that's where it starts, little by little by little. It's It doesn't happen overnight, you know. And before you know it, you know, you got no allies. <laughs> you know, before yeah. you know it, you, it, got, you got nobody. It starts with a couple fist fights and then just kind of blossoms over years and years to something much, much bigger than that, basically. Or right. maybe not even fist fights, just altercations of some sort people screaming at each other, it turns to fists, turns to guns, turns to whatever. Right. Yeah, right. And crazy. and you think about it, right? Like you think about it, man, like when you're such a, because they had, they had become really, really dominant in that area. Right. Like, obviously it's, it's safe to say they were losing brothers, right. They were losing Kings. They were losing associates and, and, and that happens. Um, but they, they were really, really well known as far as, you know, who was running the South side, you know, and I, I think in the nineties, uh, people can debate all they want about, you know, whether during my era, you know, we were running it or not, but I don't think there's no debate about the nineties. I don't think there's no debate. Um, I don't think it's even close. Like I said, the Spanish Cobras were there for a long time and they were always putting in work, but, but the, the, the Kings, you know, they took the South side by storm, man. You know, so being that they were so dominant at one point, you could see why they would have some infight. And it's because they didn't have nobody to fight with. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, yeah, all these wound up guys, all this testosterone, guys got guns, guys want to do. And it's like, they can't, they're not even banging on nobody. So it's like, they start arguing with each other. They find reasons to argue with each other. You know, that's the, that's the crazy element of the, of the, of the stupid lifestyle. But, um, but yeah, so. I mean, I think it's a testament to to the creation and the evolution of the Latin Kings is that it began violent. You know, it, it was never like it, it it wasn't. Yeah, it progressed from the early days. But I'm saying it began violent from when they were known. Right. So when the Latin Kings became known, guess what? They were violent. And so, like I said, we we tried to mimic that. We tried to. um we try to live up to that precedent, especially 19th Street, because Cago was the cream of the crop. And listen, like there is there's always like, you know, and this is this is this is like a side note. Right. But there's always that back and forth, you know. Yeah, I'm Cago. And, and it's like this this this, uh, you know, sort of this pride swell, you know, and everybody their, their feathers go up and their chest gets big. I'm Cago. Well, guess what? It felt the exact same way to say I was I'm 19th Street. I'm from one nine. You know, and mm -hmm. and we never we gave credit where it was due. We paid homage, obviously. Yeah, Chicago was our, you know, you know, they're they're, you know, they're the precedent, right? But but we never felt like we were anything less. 
and and that's because we tried to live up to what they had going on. And so, yeah, listen, man, I think I think there were so many different elements going on in the '90s um, and the late '80s. You know, I feel like a lot of gangs were kind of getting their footing. You know, um, like the Lopez family that that ended up kind of, um, I guess, evolving into La Familia, right? Um, you know, they started off as they were just a predominantly drug dealing family, you know, and it turned into a gang. And so, and then obviously two, one, right. We talk about them. We talked about them many times, right. And how their inception, you know, came after they didn't become Cago. And, and then the MP started coming in the, in the mid nineties and the late nineties, the Mexican posses and the Spanish Cobras, you know, like I said, they were always there, but you know, to give them credit, bro, I feel like the Spanish Cobras were never really, really like rah-rah guys. They didn't put themselves on the front line. Yeah, I mean, they were at every Puerto Rican parade. You know, these guys would be out in their cars and Puerto Rican flags. But for the most part, the original Spanish Cobras, man, like the, the guys that that uh, that were really, really in the street, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear about them much, you know, as far as like being out and, and being uh, targets. And so, yeah, man, I think the 90s was really – it was a foundational point for, for a lot of gangs. It just so happened that the Latin Kings ended up being, you know, you know, really, really the, the powerhouse. Um, and, and to be fair, I believe that they, you know, all the things that, that we tried to emulate, you know, it started somewhere. It started, you know, um, I, it's crazy, but I don't think I ever really, really broke down my, my homicide on, on, on this podcast. And, and, um, you know, I don't know. I just, yeah, I figured I, I talked about it one time on the four part Milwaukee mafia series and I kind of never brought it up, but, but you know, that, that concept, right. That, that I talked about using during that homicide, which was false flagging. And you mm-hmm. remember this concept, right? Yeah. And, and, and you got to remember that started back then, you know, that was something I heard from back then. And, and, um, and it was used, man, these guys, you know, it's it's sometimes it's hard to say because it sounds like just cold blooded killers, man. But these guys were people too, you know. But but they just they 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 were willing to go all out, man. Um, you know, my cousin and Kui were charged with a murder, I believe, for some MLDs, and and they were same thing, false flagging. Walked up on them. They were sitting outside their car. Hey, you know, hey folks, you got a cigarette? Yup. Um, oh yeah, you folks. Yup. We MLDs, and that was it. Them dudes, they shot them both, killed them both. You know, um, that that is not being done by everybody, man. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that. You know, uh, it's one thing to do a couple drive-bys and and you know, a light up a house or something like that, man. But you know, these dudes are walking up on people. I mean, I even you know, there's even another story where guys knocked on the door looking for a flake. Mom answers the door. Hey, is such such home? Yeah, he walks down the steps. He shoots him right there in his doorway. That's unbelievable. I mean, you want to? Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about? You know, I mean, these are these dudes are savages, man. At the time, no holds barred. You know, and and uh, I mean, you dig into the indictment of '98. There was two females killed on that indictment. You know, one who was uh, who was a rival, from my understanding, she was an MLD, I think, and the other one was accused of being a cooperator and that's the thing man back then if you were if you were even if you were even thought to be possibly a cooperator man you know 
I'll be honest with you, guys weren't waiting for paperwork. You know, guys guys weren't taking that chance, man. And and so, oh, you know what? Let me take that back. I think she was accused of setting another king up. That's what it was. Um, But that doesn't take away from the point I just made. I mean, if you were accused of being a cooperator back then, it was a lot different um, Mm -hmm. than the way you're treated or were treated during our time. And then obviously, you know, now. But but yeah, I believe she was accused of setting the king up to get killed. But yeah, so I mean, you know, that just goes to show, man, it was fair game for anybody. And and you know, women back then were different. You know, they were a part of it differently. You know, they were really really um they had a, they had a, a a faction, put it like that, you know. Uh Latin queens in Milwaukee were never really like you know, really really like recognized and 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 out there but there were there were known ones you know and and like i said we'll go through we'll go through that one day um we'll talk about it um go ahead i'm curious i'm curious so so i just i want to get your thoughts on this because based on the, the kind of the history breakdown of what you see after the indictment in 1998 did the kings fall off big time and weren't really as known and then once your generation started coming around it started picking back up again is that kind of how the no no they 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 were always i mean obviously they were there yeah no so so what happened was um what happened was once everybody got indicted in 98 you got to remember you get indicted it's not like you're you're charged and convicted that year right so the indictment went on and the trial went all the way until 2001, right? So it wasn't like it happened overnight. So I say that because after the 98 indictment, yeah, everybody was scared that was from Chicago and they started to scatter out, scatter about, right? And look for a home. And mm-hmm. um, and that's when the inception of these other chapters came about because, you know, obviously it's smart to spread your wings out and, you know, guys are kind of going here, going there. And, you know, that's when Champ um, came over to 19th Street and, and him and Boy started 19th Street. Uh, you got to remember. So when they came to 19th Street, there was already guys over there, guys that were down, you know, but they weren't they weren't they weren't kings. And so that's why I say, man, like recruiting tactics are usually in, in they like to recruit in 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 groups. Right. Like you see a group of guys and you're like, man, all these guys are cool. They're all solid. Like, let's bring them all on board. And that's not always the truth. Right. Not everybody's always solid and cool, but, but perceptionally, that's what you think. And so when champ came over there and boy came over there, they seen a ton of guys over there that had potential and they started 19th street. So it was, there was never really a gap, you know, they just needed to, they just needed to migrate. And, and then what's crazy is by the time that trial ended in 01, I I became a king. You know, I became a king shortly after the trial was over. I think the trial was over. Maybe it was over in 2000, in the end of 2000 and, and into 2001. But I mean, you know, in the end of 2000, I was I was on Walker and then I ended up I was a king by by 2001. And so um, that's there's no gap there, you know. Yeah. And I guess what the, the where where my head was going with this thought was, was that um, in when the, with the 98 indictment, the government let the Latin kings go on for way too long and l- allowed it to get way, way, way too violent. Whereas in your generation, you guys never got to the same point 
that they did prior to the 98 indictment before the government jumped in and dropped this big indictment on everybody and just kind of caused everybody to scatter and slow down the Latin Kings. That's a hundred percent true. That's a hundred percent true because, because we never had the umbrella of older Kings that were out for such a substantial amount of time, you know, that were able to guide and, 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 um, you know, kind of breed, so to speak, the, the Kings that were coming in, you know, um, and there was violence from the early 90s all the way up until 98. You know, it was just that I think maybe the government, it was all new to them. You know, this gang, right. the, the gang element and, you know, even being able to find out how to use RICO on a gang case. You know, RICO was was obviously designed for the mafia and organized crime. And so to be able to use that element, you know, in a gang indictment. I'm sure they had to do a lot of homework, but I mean, yeah, even my cousin, my cousin's first murder, he's actually charged with five murders. Now that I think about it, but his first murder was in 91. Right. And he got, this is how different it was back then. He wasn't the killer. He was just involved. He got charged with murder, but he was in the, he was in the, in the, in the van when it happened. And, um, he got charged with murder and I think he got 10 years for it, but, but 10 years, back then wasn't 10 years. I think he did like four years and then was put in, in, uh, in a work release program and then escaped in like 95. And that's when his shooting spree went crazy, you know, in 95 when he was on the run. I mean, I think they killed, I mean, like eight people within that wow. amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about these guys were like, they went gung ho. And I think it was his mentality was I'm on a run anyway. I might as well, <laughs> I might as well be out here doing crazy shit. And uh, I, I mean, you know, they, they, they went, they went cuckoo. And if that's kind of how it works, I I would be interested to see, because obviously we know, I mean, to a certain extent, the Latin Kings still exist in Milwaukee. Maybe they don't have the quite the power that they did maybe in your era, but eventually that's going to start to build up again. And then, and it would, it's inter, it would be interesting to see. So now, will they come in and squash it even sooner than they did in your era, just to keep it from ever getting back to the point where it was when you were around? If that makes sense. Well, listen. Let me tell you this: any and every time they have a chance now to eliminate big players in the Latin Kings, they do it. They don't waste time. They don't wait to build a case. They get them off the street as soon as they can. So I mean, they're not I mean, even. Prime, yeah, no, they're not even. A prime example is 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 Champ and Jay. You know they weren't out long. Champ got out in eighteen. He got indicted in twenty. Like, I mean, they did not play with that dude. You know, same thing. You know, Jay wasn't out long, and so any chance that they get to take somebody out, they're not gonna. They're not gonna allow this. Let's build an investigation. Let's wait and see because people die in those instances. You know. No. So let me ask you this question. That being said, and knowing what you know from me and the history, do you think the Latin Kings ever really will be the same in Milwaukee? I mean, not 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 if the government is doing like what you said they're doing. If they're squashing it as soon as they can, no, probably not, because I don't see how you can ever... I guess, how would I... The best way to explain it, it sounds like anybody that has any experience in the Latin King world in Milwaukee just kind of... I mean, they're as soon as they get on the police radar, they're going to get them out of there. They're going to f- find some way to arrest them and take them off the streets. And 
I don't see how the Latin Kings can build up that power that they had in the past if they're following that routine. I mean, the only way to do it is to hide very underground and not be known to the police so the police don't even know that this exists, which I think is going to be very hard to do. They can't do that and do what they did in your era, you know, because what you guys were doing was putting you putting all of you on the cops' radars. Right. Like, even long before you got indicted, right, the cops already knew who Berta was. You know, mm, it, yeah. it wasn't a secret to them. Yeah. And probably in the past, like in your era, they weren't being as aggressive with getting you off the street. You know, they were kind of pushing it off to the side, pushing it off to the side. Oh, you know, you killed a f- another gang member. Well, we're not too worried about that. But you kill a Miller Lighting executive, and we're, yeah, we're getting you off the street. Yeah, Whereas, yeah, that that it, that speeds things up. That definitely speeds things up. Um, but but to be fair, I'm thinking if they had me dead to rights on the case, they would have took me in just to get me off the street temporarily while they continue to build. Because I mean, when they got me on the shooting with Little Wolf's cousin, you know, they didn't give me a pass. Uh, so I, I think, you know, I think your, I think your analysis of it is correct, but I also think, and maybe this is me being naive, man, but I think that there's a little bit of hesitancy in these older guys now, as crazy as that sounds, man. And, um, I could be wrong hundred percent, but I think there's a little bit of hesitancy because, because of what the last two indictments have proved. Um, and, and that could be a huge no part of it too. Yeah. Right. You know, so, like- so I think, I think that, I think that the older guys that are, that are, that are paving the way, right. Obviously young guys are always going to be gung ho and, and naive and you know, they're not developed. So they're just going to go ahead first and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But I'm saying the older guys who are organizing meetings and, and are getting guys together, I think they're a little bit scared, man. And I think they're hesitant. And I think, People would rather throw up crowns from a distance than be standing in the circle. I could be wrong, but it feels that way. The the uh, the atmosphere feels that way, and that's not just for Latin Kings though. I'm just talking about for gangs in general, and that's why you got so many different crews now. It's not it's not about even gangs anymore. It's about this crew and that crew and this street and that street, and that's because I feel like people are starting to realize they can't trust people in numbers, and so they're they're only trusting a certain amount of people, but I mean, even that fails, you know, but I feel like that's what's got a grip on the streets right now, which is even more dangerous because now it's not, you know, it, there's no head of the snake, so to speak. Yeah, you know, they, guy, guys, guys aren't answering to somebody. They're, they're governing themselves, you know? And, and so, uh, you know, a lot of times when you have that going on, you know, that's you a loose ab- brain. You, yeah, you are absolutely right. I mean, it's a lot easier to take down, you know, it's a lot easier to take down Cago than 27 different small little entities that all have different leaders and have all different structures, you know? Especially it, especially when you don't bring the conspiracy. Well, conspiracy, let me not say that because conspiracy is really, really easy to prove. Um, when you don't bring the RICO element involved, meaning that you're not doing the continuing a criminal enterprise. You're not having these nation meetings. You're not having these mm. nation guns. You know, it's like every man for themselves. You want a gun, go buy your own gun. You know, I'm not saying this is how it is, but I'm thinking that 
as time has evolved and guys have seen the writing on the wall, so to speak, you know, you have to adapt, you know, because if you don't, you're just going to go right in the jail cell behind the person that went in front of you. So knowing that guys have steered clear of prison, some guys, it tells me one, one of two things, either they're complete lames, right? Which some of them probably are, but either they're complete lames or they actually learned a little something, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're, and they're, they're doing their best. They're doing their best to try to show that they can evolve. But with that being said, man, that, that doesn't put you in, in, it doesn't put you in, in a, in a legacy light, so to speak, when it comes to the street, you know, you know, those guys that are playing it safe, nobody's looking at them like, yo, those are the dudes. Like those guys are killers. They're right. like, man, that old motherfucker's still out. He ain't did shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and that's, that's just being honest, bro. That's what I would have said. You know, like if there was, if there was older guys that were around and they weren't active, like, dude ain't on shit. Like, yeah, he's out of prison, but so what? He's you, a nobody. You're right. But I mean, if it allows them to exist and not be in constant fear of being thrown in jail and things like that, I mean, there is something to be said for that, right? I mean, you can't well, argue that well, that well, logic. Yeah, but well, yeah, but the bigger point is that it just exemplifies how phony the lifestyle is in general, right? Because for you to go from somebody that's being respected to now you're being looked at and shunned because you're not in the street, what did that tell you about this whole lifestyle, the whole concept, the whole mindset? is that you have to be active. You have to be out there in order to mm -hmm. get respect. And I don't care what nobody says, man. You cannot convince me that these young dudes that are out there wilding every day are going to respect some old guy who used to be a king, you know, that isn't doing anything no more. Just because mm -hmm. he left on good terms. And, I mean, a prime example, I go back to the story with the guy Ray Gu. You know, him being robbed by active gang members, active kings. You know, right. him being like this dude left on good standing. He didn't never leave with a bad, you know, nobody ever had a bad word to say about the dude. I wouldn't have stood in a circle with the guy at a meeting if I ever heard Regu was a bad guy or he did some bullshit, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, you know, maybe there's some sort of evolution, but I also think, man, guys are just at a point, bro, where they're starting to see like, the whole gang concept is hard to withhold. It's hard to uphold. Um, better said, it's hard to uphold. Um, and you know, that's a scary part. That's a scary part for our kids now because it's like you kind of try to get your arms around up a situation, and you kind of try to you kind of try to show like, okay, the gang stuff is is obviously it's going to drag you down. You know, we can pose these questions like we did on the gang application about what the gang does to you specifically. And as far as like, you know, what you're risking and, and, you know, you know, guys trying to be with your girl and, and guys trying to, um, you know, guys cooperating on you and, and all these things. But then what do you tell that same kid when he's not in the gang, but he's just with a crew, right? He's got right. two, three guys, right? He's got two, yeah. three guys and these guys are shooters. And, you know, you say, yeah, well, you know, obviously your, 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 your chances are lower of, of all these bad things happening, but they're not, not there at all. You know, they're yeah. still there. They're and, still um, there. And in the end, it's all the same thing. It's just not as big, really. Right. Right. You know, there's nobody to, 
there's you know there's nobody else like you you're that's it though like it's just you and these whoever two other guys you know that that you go down with and then that's it you know and and um and that creates another issue right because you know guys go to prison and if you're not clipped up right now you got an issue in prison and so that's a whole another issue yeah you know, that's a, that's, a, that's that's a very a, good point too yeah so so yeah man i think you know to kind of to kind of dip back into into the history of about you know from everything that I've heard, bro, about the Latin Kings then versus my generation and and even up until now, it's just the the kind of kings that were around then. And and it's so weird to say, right? But they were almost more violent without as much shooting. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but, but, and this goes back to the old saying, it's easy to pull a trigger, right? It's anybody can pull the trigger, you know, and, and this isn't, this isn't a a slouch at me or my crew, but it's true. Anybody can pull the trigger. I mean, obviously to consistently pull the trigger, that's a different thing, but, but anybody can pull the trigger. Right. And so the reason why I I make that comparison is because back then, man, those guys were bare knucklers, man. You know, these guys, they'll walk into a South division high school too deep, Bottom, you know, just one one king and another king, and, and fight ten MPs, and that's just the way. It'll, that's just the way, it, and you walk away from it. You know, you might walk away, you know, with, with your ass, well, but but you walk <laughs> away from it. And so that those those kind of that generation of guys, man, that was a real that was a real generation, man. There's a lot of those guys out there now that you know they fell on hard times, man. These guys were somebody's in their life, and they end up being drug addicts. They end up going to prison, you know. Um, you, you know, there's there's no retirement plan, right? When they get out, it's not, like they, it's not like the kings are like, man, you were a good dude for five years. Let me hook you up, right? Like, no, it's like, are you active or you're not? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, nobody cares about about that shit. And so, yeah, it's another another pitfall, right? Like, it's like these guys they they go to prison and and, and um they were somebody, and then you, you get out a decade later, a decade later, and you know nobody. <laughs> right and and you got no respect right because because i can tell you right now man that the, the the kings that used to get out of prison and try to come around we we haze them like we haze futures that were just coming around <laughs> at 13 years old you know what i'm saying and 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 i can imagine these older guys looking at you know me i'm a buck 30 you know my brother he's a buck 50 two you know he's five foot nothing right and they're looking at us like these little ass kids are punking us right now, you know what I'm saying? And 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 um some of them would would stick up for themselves and and a lot of them wouldn't, you know? And um and not that they were scared, but they just because they realized they were in a different game. You know, yeah. this was a different this was a that'd be like me getting out right now and trying to trying to in, incorporate myself and what's going on now. I would be I would be the the dummy to be like, "Man, let's get everybody together. What the hell's going on over here? You guys are, <laughs> you got what the hell's going on? Come on, man. Let's get it. I'll be the one. Let's get the shit together." You know, and and that's that's just, but that's just who I am as a person, right? And that's that's the era I grew up in. So, yeah, man, I think, uh, you know, obviously for all the listeners, but specifically our Patreon buddy, man. You know, I know he's from that era, and, and so if there's anything that I could say to him is, yeah, man, you were a part of a a serious era. You know, those guys were no nonsense. Everything was by the book. You know, and 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 to 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 make a compar- a comparison, you know, we talk about we've talked about guys that we were going to X that were that would like to play these 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 bullshit games all the time. You know, that would never exist back then. Never, mm-hmm. never. You could never 
you know, when it was serious time, it was serious time. That's it. You know, them, them dudes didn't play no games. And so, uh, yeah, man, I, I think the comparison is, is, um, it's important, you know? Yeah. We were equally as stupid and equally as violent <laughs> when it came to, when it came to hurting people. But, uh, as far as just overall, uh, just machismo, you know, walking around, you know, we, we walked around with our head on a swivel, man, if I'm being honest, you know, and it's because we knew what we were doing. Those guys walked around with the chest out because they were looking for yeah. something, you know, and then, right. you know, to be fair, they probably weren't worried about their life as much as we were. Um, and so that changes things, but yeah, man, I, you know, that's all I can give you as far as the history from what I know and, and, and really when the Kings became relevant, which is kind of the early nineties, you know, late eighties, late eighties, I guess, to be fair is when, you know, guys that had big, big names started to come in. Um, but the nineties was definitely, uh, dominated by the Latin Kings from Cabo. What questions you have? And well, just the the biggest thing I, I, I just want to clarify in case, just in case anybody else doesn't remember, from previous episodes, but but Kaga was when they bring all the chapters together, brought all the chapters. Together, yeah, Kago right? Kago was just a neighborhood. Yeah, it was the it's actually a school. Kago was actually a school on on twelfth uh, and Washington, maybe, and and so that was just a neighborhood Kago school. You know, that was that was the neighborhood over there. God, and you think about it, if because they had tried to do that during your generation too, as right, bring everybody together. Yep. Yep, at one point yep. in time, so that probably could have turned out to be just a disaster if they had done that. <laughs> so yes, yes, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can't say it turned out any better. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah, true. That's true. Say, Fair enough. I can't, I can't say it worked out any better that we didn't do it, but um, yeah, you know, I think it would have been worse. You know, I mean, the Inca for Sawyer was you know, one of the first informants on our indictment. So, I mean, he probably would have been at every meeting if that. Yeah. He would have had way more knowledge at that point in time. If he had, if they had brought everybody together. Yeah. But to be fair, we would have stripped his big ass down because powerhouse was a big, big motherfucker. So we would have stripped his big ass down. He'd have been in his boxers. So it wouldn't have been no, you know, it wouldn't have been no, uh, no wires on him. That's for sure. But (laughs) I think relaying information would have got us anyway. So, you know, he got well, us too, man. He, he, uh, he actually, uh, he, he, he bought a gun. It was crazy. I was on the run, right? I, I was on the run. I was on the run. I just got out and I was on the run. I just got out in, in November Oh four. Right. We talked about this when I got out to the group home and I went on the run. So I was on the run and I was by two house and I was just sitting, I was just chilling over there. Benny had just committed a murder. Right, not too long before this, killed the MP, and the gun. It was a nine. I remember we used to call it the China, and and uh, powerhouse was begging to buy it, begging to buy it, begging to buy it, and then finally, the, the you know once it was used in that you know in the murder, you know the brothers told him like, well, you know this is a hot gun, man, like you know, and he's like, I don't care, I don't care, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. And that should have sent some red flags up right there, but you know, obviously we're we're dumb kids, right? Oh, she's gonna give us money for this this gun that's got a murder on it. Let's do it. And so it's funny he came over there. This is how ballsy this dude was. But you know, he came over there, 
I'll never forget it. Tinted windows. He's got a bright gold hoodie on. And gold sticks out like a sore thumb. And that's why Latin Kings are always really, really noticeable, right? When they wear their colors. Because gold stick, I mean, this guy had a and this dude is this dude is like, you know, I don't I don't even know if I don't know what you can or can't say in this day and age. So we'll just say he was about 320 pounds, right? I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna call him a fat. He was ass, a big right? dude. Gonna, he was I'm a not big gonna call dude. Him a, yeah, I'm not gonna call him. I'm just gonna say he was about 320 pounds, right? So this gold sweater looked at like a damn blanket, right? And he's walk, he gets out of the car with it, right? And he comes up to the to the um he comes up to the door and he comes in and he shakes everybody's hand. Yo, what's up, what's up? And um this dude had the FBI agent in the car with him. Oh, FBI shut agent. Up. Yeah, he was driving. And so uh, Powerhouse comes in. He's like, all right, cool. And, you know, he shakes everybody's hand. He's like, here, here's the gun, bro. You know, be careful. It's hot. And this, obviously, we didn't tell him what it was hot for. But we just told him, yo, it's a murder on us. Be careful. And uh, all right, cool. And all that shit was in our discovery when we got our discovery. Yeah. It, it, and it's funny, though, because um, I stayed upstairs, right? I stayed upstairs. And Toot and Tim, I went downstairs to give it to him, to sell it to him. Um, I don't know why I didn't go down. I just think I didn't want I I don't know. Powerhouse is never my guy. Like I never really liked the guy. I, I met him like once or twice before. He was always kind of weird to me anyway. And so I, you know, I was, I mean, let's just call it what it is. I was, I was a stuck up piece of shit when it came to certain guys, you know what I'm saying? Like I just, I, I thought I was better than guys and, you know, and so um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel the need to go down there. But in the police report and in the, in the discovery, he, you know, I don't know who it was, either Tim or Toot, but they told him, yo, yeah, Berto's upstairs, you know, he's on the run, right? So I don't know why they even mentioned that to him because they could have, you know, he, in obviously later on down the line, um, the the agent was like, yeah, we could have sent the cops there to pick you up, but we knew it would have sent the red flag. We knew it would have, mm. it would have put powerhouse in a bind. So, you know, we let you make it, you know, and that's one of those instances, right? That's one of those instances as a, as a, as a, as a cop, right? Let's just, let's just put on the, Let's just put on the outside looking in. If I go out and I kill somebody the next day, how do you feel? Yeah, no right? kidding. Right? So, I mean, obviously that didn't happen. But I'm just saying, I was thinking about that when I seen it in Discovery. Like, damn, you just let me walk and you knew I was wanted, right? I'm wanted for, obviously I was in for a shooting. And so, um, yeah, so that dude Powerhouse, man, he would have probably, he would have scorched us all. You know, <laughs> he, he, you know, so. It's crazy. That was a, that was an off-brand subject, but I... I just brought it together. Yeah. Well, I got to say, Berto, you said you didn't couldn't make a full episode out of this topic, and, and it, it appears that you did a pretty good job, so good on you. Yeah, you know, once once I started talking about it, it kind of, the juices get flowing, you know, and I started <laughs> thinking about, you know, conversations I've had and, and just, you know, encounters I've had with different people. And like I said, man, I, I talked to a couple brothers who, who have been through the storm, you know, um, that aren't active anymore, obviously, and 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 were active during a time that was pretty crazy. And so, uh, I do my best to reach back. You know, I, I hope uh, I hope the audience can appreciate that. You know, I try to not just bring my era, but just bring relevant, you know, relevant content to 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 my obviously to my the organization I was in, but also just just gang aspect in general, right? Just talking about the different the different environment that it was back then. And, and, and like I said, man, hundred percent, I always encourage different older gang members, whoever it is, you know, you got a story, you got something that you want to talk about. You want something that's, that's relevant that could, we could use in a positive way. I look forward to hearing from it, man. And, um, 
you know, I know Eric's about to take over here pretty soon, man, but, uh, but definitely want to give shout out once again, I'll do it as many times as I can to the people that are on my Patreon page. You know, I appreciate the support, man. They are, um, staples, you know, and they're, they're, they're interactive. You know, we've had communication back and forth conversation. They, they, they love the, the personal Patreon episodes that we put up. So I encourage everybody, man, you want to get involved in that community. You want to be a part of it. Um, at some point, I'm hoping we can get to a point where, you know, me and Eric have discussed having maybe a Zoom call with with, with some listeners and and just just looking to see how we can actually, you know, make a move and and uh, and build our community even more. And uh, so that's what I got, Eric. Definitely. And and let me just lead it off with if you are interested in learning about that Patreon, you can find it at patreon.com slash normalized crime. And uh, as always, if you have any questions, comments, anything you want to r- run our way, it, you can reach out to us at normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And we will be back next week with another episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode. <laughs>